Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profile Previews, Episode 1 of these. Confidently say, Episode 1, we have Sterling Shepard and David Mayo, and I'm excited, Justin. We are back. We start five episodes a week, Monday through Friday. We're going to have three player profile preview episodes, I mean six players a week, and two regular episodes until game week. We're going to try to get some interviews, but it's Episode 1. Last year, we started with Sterling Shepard. We're going to do it again. Sterling Shepard is the longest tenured giant. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Justin, how are you feeling about getting into these PPPs? A lot of Ps. You know, this is the uh, most exciting time of the year. There's no doubt about that. You know, Talking Giants, we're going to be rolling Monday through Friday, giving you episodes, mini episodes, three times a week. Then there are longer episodes, two times a week. Um, Bobby Skinner, this is absolutely fantastic. This is very exciting. Longest tenured giant is our first player. Um, I think Sterling Shepard is an extremely important player on this Giants team this year, and I'm excited to start this process. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're talking tangible players. We're talking tangible football. Very excited. All right, so the format we're going to try and go with is we're going to go basic info, Justin, fun fact, then stats, and then we're going to talk about them. Justin, Sterling Shepard, he's 5'10", 201 pounds, 27 years old. He was the 40th pick in the second round in 2016. Like I said, the longest tenure giant now that Eli and Zach Dayasi are off this football team. Eli was the longest tenure giant for a long time, but now Sterling Shepard takes that. Justin, he signed an extension last year, four years, $41 million. This is the first year in that. There's a potential out after 2022, so it's kind of a two-year contract with some dead money after that. But if injuries continue after 2022, there could be a potential out. We'll get into the stats, but give, tell me something I don't know about Sterling Shepard. So you might have known this, but maybe not, about his wife, Chanel Inman. She's a Victoria's Secret model, so she's she's a very good-looking woman, very fantastic woman. But in a GQ sports video where we actually got some behind-the-scenes at like Shep's life, he came home from a workout, and he usually likes to get some extra work in. So his wife is actually the one who is putting the footballs into that machine. The jug machine. Yeah, so she's the one that's putting the footballs back back into that machine. And then Sterling Shepard is throwing the football back to her, you know, and then the process, the reciprocal process continues. But you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is probably just being done for this GQ uh, workout video, right? Or this is probably just being done for this GQ YouTube video just to make them look good. But no, like Chanel Inman is legitimately catching the football better than like half the tailgaters at MetLife Stadium. So it's it's one of those things where you're watching her and it's like, I can tell that you've done this before and you've done this literally thousands and thousands of times with your husband. So Sterling Shepard, he goes and he works out and he comes home and with the huge rock on this on this woman's hands. And Bobby, I'm telling you, the rock was apparent. The rock was apparent. Four on years, left- 41, you got to do it. <laughs> the huge wedding ring on her left finger. Um, and then they're just playing catch and uh, Sterling Shepard's getting an extra work um, afterwards. And also, I think this is also just a well-known fact. Uh, Sterling Shepard had two uncles who played at Oklahoma. His father was also a, a football player at Oklahoma. His father was also an ex-NFL wide receiver. Unfortunately, passed away when Shepard was six. But uh, some fun facts about Sterling Shepard, just in case you didn't know. I like it. Chanel Shepard. That's some good alliteration when, uh, when they got married. Justin, let's go through some stats. Last year in 2019, he played 10 games. We'll get to the injuries, but he played 10 games. In those 10 games, he had 57 catches, 576 yards, and three touchdowns with a 68.7 catch rate. On a 16-game rate, that leads to 91 catches, 921 yards, and five touchdowns. I feel like that's pretty good. At a per-game rate, that's 5.7, 57.6 yards. Now, 
he only got to play six games with Sterling Shepard or with Golden Tate and Darius Slayton. So we had this trio, and you know we're not going to get into like what ifs if these guys get hurt. But we had this trio. They only played six games together, and the debate with Shepard a lot of times is should he play slot? Let he should he play outside? With Golden Tate, he plays outside. But when Tate was out, there was three games he uh, Shep played where Tate was out, and he played the slot, and he looked really good. And you, there's some more memorable yep. games like the Tampa game is one of those games. Um, Dallas with Eli. Washington, Washington, yeah, like he was good in those games. Washington, he was a chain mover in that game. Um, so I went and looked at with Golden Tate, Justin, six games. He had 34 catches, 318 yards, and one touchdown. The stats are almost the exact same. From 5.7 catches to 5.6, and from 57.6 yards to 53 yards per game. So they're the same. So the inside-outside thing isn't a battle. And I remember in 28, uh, 2018, his inside his slot outside stats, like his outside stats were a little better, and he had less reps there. So I know we kind of get like who plays slot, you know, Shepard's a more natural slot receiver and he is, but he's been capable outside and there's, there was opportunities for him to be even like bigger and badder on the outside. Yeah. I'm very firm on saying that Sterling Shepard should be the slot guy because of his role. And frankly, also golden Tate's role as well. Now this is, could be something that is evolving and it could be something that relatively doesn't matter at the end of the day. But Sterling Shepard's numbers, and Bobby, maybe if I can kind of jump to this a little bit, Sterling Shepard's role in 2019, I think it drastically changed, you know, compared to previous years where he was a, he was kind of a yak guy. He was kind of a yards after catch guy. A lot of his significant numbers went down. So maybe, I don't know if somebody in the analytics community, if somebody would like not like Sterling Shepard, but I actually kind of like how his numbers went down because it means that his role changed and his role on the team as a security blanket for Daniel Jones, as a chain mover, uh, as a guy that fits in the zones and he sits in the zones and he's a smart football player. Those things were kind of uh, cemented for me in 2019. And that's why I really like Sterling Shepard, despite his yards per reception went down. It was the worst in his, worst in his career at 10.1. His air yards before the reception went down a decent amount from 2018. And his yards after the catch, like I said, went down substantially from 2018. It doesn't mean that he had a bad year. doesn't mean that he's bad for the team. But with that 68% catch rate and his ability to move the change, especially compared to our other wide receivers that have somewhat of a lower catch rate, you know, Shepard is going to be that guy that is going to be that rock. He's going to be reliable for Daniel Jones. He's going to be that chain mover. And I said, we said chain mover multiple times. He finished in the top 10 in the NFC with third down receptions that went for a first down. And that was with missing six games, Justin. Uh, I think he's the best wide receiver on the Giants. Yes. I really do. One is he's just a he's a team leader in general. Like you could tell, like he buys in, and I do think like culture wise, he is someone who benefited from Odell not learning some of those bad habits. I hate them. I don't know why I just invoked Odell in the twenty twenty PPP, um, and someone who starts it off is gonna be like these guys still talking about Odell. It's like no, we usually don't. Justin, I went and watched a couple games of film to refresh myself on Sterling Shepard, and he plays really smart. Like he's not just a run your route and go. Like he's smart, and I see I saw his eyes on one play where he's running a drag. And then he sees the middle linebacker drop, and he sits in that zone, mm-hmm. and it's a catch, and it's a conversion. Um, he's also he's the best route runner. He's very crisp. He runs the best double routes. Like there's some double routes that Sterling Shepard got completely wide open. And like on third down, like out routes, 
Jones trusted him. And there was times where they had Tate doing the same thing when Shepard was out, and it wasn't as successful. There wasn't as much separation. So he's the best route runner on the team. There's actually a bit of a, a bit of stats to back that as well in terms of separation. Now, just because you get a lot of separation or just because you don't get a lot of separation, I don't think that's necessarily a reflection on route running per se. But certainly Shepard in 2019 had the same amount of average separation as Evan Ingram and Travis Kelsey, considerably better than Darius Slate and Golden Tate. That's from NFL Next Gen Stats. You can look that up right online. Um, and it backs up this notion that, you know, Shepard is, again, he's that security blanket for Jones. He's able to create space. He's able to find space. And in terms of comparing that to the rest of the league with Sterling Shepard and his separation, it was pretty much at the top quarter of the league, whereas uh, Darius Slate and Golden Tate ranked in the bottom quarter. Which isn't a bad thing. It's just about finding a role and finding your place on the team. All right. And like you said, you mentioned his third down catches. Jones trusted Shepard on third down. And I think he was when he was in, I think he was he was uh he was Jones' favorite target. I mean, that Minnesota game, a couple like you had two missed throws by Jones. One where he just barely put it over him. Would have been a, a sixty-yard touchdown, and then the overthrow in the end zone. Like yeah. that game goes from five catches forty like from from a possible like you know seven catches, 130 yards and two touchdowns to five catches, 49 yards, and he got concussed in that game later on on a nice throw by Jones where he dropped. So to both of them, they could use a little more chemistry. Um, you know, you think of the Bears game where there's the double move route where Jones missed him by a bit, but they also got held a little bit. And that's another thing. Like he draws holding penalties, like defensive holding penalties, like because because of his crisp route running. And you could see Jones there be times where he's expecting Shepard to break that route. And it'd be a defensive holding and Jones would take a sack. And then obviously they would get the defensive holding yeah. penalty because Jones was like, Hey, I know that he's going to break that route and be open. So, you know, Jones would take the sack because of, because of that defensive holding. And I think Jones will have an effort to get the ball out a little quicker. I think Evan Ingram is going to be big in that role, but I also think Shepard is, we talked about him being smart. And so Jones, that internal clock should be a little better in year two. And I think Shepard will benefit from that because he is the guy who finds those open holes in the zone. Yeah, and in terms of getting the ball out quicker, that's one of the reasons why you don't mind if his yards per reception isn't as much as it was in 2017 to 2018. 2017, 2018, it was over 12, and especially 2018, it was it was like over it was over 13. And again, Shep was a guy that you, you he was up there considerably in yards after the catch. That changed in 2019 not a bad thing there's two other stats that i want to read for Shepard, and then i'm done in terms of stats that maybe we can have like kind of i kind of want to go to like a conversation about comparing him to a little bit of like cole beasley since jason garrett's an offensive play caller and also possibly even steve smith but you don't like that take so we may we may stick we may <laughs> stick to more talking about cole beasley but one drop in 83 targets that's about a one percent drop rate um, and in and Sterling Shepard played in 10 games last year. In eight games, he received more than seven targets. In six games, he received more than nine targets. Uh, Bobby, if uh, in here, we'll have a little even a little fantasy football conversation. Bobby, if uh, if this guy doesn't have a concussion problem and if that's not the thing that's looming over him, you're loving him in PPR leagues because he gets the targets and Daniel Jones relies on him. Yeah, um, I don't think he'll ever be like. I don't think he's gonna. You know, his rookie year he did have eight touchdowns, but I don't think he's gonna be the touchdown leader uh, on this Giants team. I have a take on that, Bobby. I okay, I think that. he's going to, but I do think he's going to be the, if, you know, we're not going to account for injuries, but I think he's going to be the reception leader and the yards leader for this team. If, if all, you know, all things are equal, he stays healthy. I think he would easily become like, be that guy on the team. I have a little bit of a take on this whole touchdown thing because he had eight, he had eight touchdowns in 2016. Now you could say that some, 
you know, the touchdown stat is kind of a random stat, especially for some wide receivers in some years. You know, Julio Jones hasn't had, I feel like Julio Jones hasn't caught a touchdown in 10 years. But especially the way that we rely on Shepard with these in routes, with these button hooks, finding zones, when the field shrinks in the red zone and sometimes you need to spread it out, let's just say the running game isn't really getting it done inside the five-yard line. You need to go 11 personnel. You need to spread it out a little bit. Sterling Shepard running these drag routes, I kind of like that in the red zone. Then he's going to be that smart guy that's going to be able to get that separation necessary for a touchdown. So we may see, if things go correctly, we may see his touchdown total rise this year. That's my that's my little it's my little Justin hot take for for this episode. You won't hear me complain about that. Yeah. Now let's talk about the part that sucks: injuries with Shep. You know, he played 16 games his first and third year. The second year he missed some games. This year, this past season, 2019, man. I mean, you know. First week of camp, he breaks his thumb. They had him practicing with a broken thumb, which me and you both were, like, ripping our hair out. It's like, why? Like, Eli's drilling the ball into Sterling Shepard. <laughs> then the concussion week one against Dallas while he's blocking. And then Minnesota on the deep ball on the left side of the field, he comes down and his helmet is literally turned sideways. Listen, everyone likes to give concussion takes. We don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, there is a difference between mild concussions and heavy ones. Um, last year, I, I will give Shep credit when a lot of players will hide them. He was set to play that Monday night versus Dallas, and he said, "I'm not, I'm yeah. not ready." And he, you know, he he sat out the next two weeks. Do you think? Do you think he plays 16 games? I, I that's a hard question, but do you think he plays 16 games? For the basically, it's like don't get a concussion because otherwise, if he doesn't get a concussion, he plays 16 games, and our wide receivers shouldn't be getting smacked around like that. I mean, one was a blocking play, and the other one where. You know, he hit his head on the ground uh, against Minnesota. Bobby, that's so tough to predict, and I know you're a big fan of him running the ball. He had some pretty successful runs last year, too, and if you want to even go into that a little bit, you can. Um, you know, if, if he had more than six rushing attempts, but he had six rushing attempts. Were some of them maybe counted as passes because it's like one of those toss plays? I don't know. Just know that Possibly. He, was, he, had, yeah. he had six attempts for 70 yards um, on reverses, and four of them were successful, two of them weren't. And so basically, like, the successful ones would go for, like, 18 to 25 yeah. yards. Um, I think that is something that judges steal out of Shermer's playbook. I mean, um, Shermer didn't inv- in- invent the you know, a wide receiver reverse. But basically, especially with Jones, and you could have, like, the, you know, that read option. and you ha- like It just helps because you bring safeties in. So I think they should use that. And he's the best wide receiver on the team for that role. It's just one of those things where if you want to risk, possibly you have a safety or a linebacker that's coming, you know, and he's coming downhill and he lays a smacking on Sterling Shepard's head. And then if, if that's the reason, I don't, but I don't believe that. I don't believe like you should limit one guy because of a concussion. If somebody's going to get a concussion, they're going to get a concussion one way or another, but yeah, you can't play scared of a concussion. Maybe I'll put a bow on this. Um, if Bobby, if you want to wrap up, but Sterling Shepard is probably you know, besides Daniel Jones, I would say right up there with Saquon Barkley and, you know, maybe even our le- whoever our left tackle is going to be. Sterling Shepard and his success this year, and if the Giants' offense is going to be successful, it is so, so, so important. You know, I know everybody loves to talk about Slayton and his potential and his ability, and I agree. I'm with you. But Sterling Shepard, for the role that he plays, and we I don't need to emphasize it because we've been talking about it for the last 15 minutes, his role for this team and the role that he serves for for Daniel Jones is so 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 important and it is so it's not talked about enough and it's such an underrated storyline heading into 20, 2020 about how important Sterling Shepard actually is for the success of this football team. I agree. And the leg up that we have this year that we didn't have last year is they get to take first team reps with Daniel Jones and get some yep. chemistry down. And Love you know it. what? They may have changed a couple games last year. 
All right, let's take a break and move the defense. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. Long time talking Sterling Shepard, so we're going to have to make the David Mayo a little quick. But it's David Mayo, linebacker, inside linebacker for the New York Giants. He's six foot two, 245 pounds. He'll be 27 on the 8th of August, a 27-year-old season. He was picked in the fifth round with the 169th overall pick for the Carolina Panthers by ours truly, David Gettleman. Justin, we traded B.J. Goodson last year, and you know it was kind of known that B.J. Goodson just wasn't going to be a part of the team. Um, and we signed David Mayo to be the four-string linebacker. Like he was, that's what David Mayo was best at. I mean, we had Al Ogletree, Tay Davis was the starter week one, and Ryan Conley jumped in uh, as the starter week two. But he was the fourth guy, and that was going to be his role. And I don't think anyone complained about it. Justin, uh, with Tay Davis being waived, Al Ogletree missing a couple games, and Ryan Conley tearing at his ACL. David Mayo started 13 games, played 57 percent of the snaps. Uh, as the starter compared to his career high of 14%. Justin, he re-signed with the Giants on a three-year $8.4 million deal, but it's really a one-year deal because there is zero dead money after the first year. So David Mayo comes into year 2020 battling for a starting spot for the New York Giants. He does? Battling. He's battling. Oh, boy. Let the man battle. Oh, I love it. All right, well, my little my little fun fact, uh, you probably didn't know this about David Mayo, is he went to St. Helens High School in Oregon as a freshman. Now, if I did my math correctly, he only went there as a freshman. Mayo should have been a student at the school while the movie Twilight was being filmed, so I'm sure that had a very significant part on his life. But He he looks like a guy who would be in Twilight. He does, kind of like the the hair. I think he has something funky thing going on with his hair. With like he has no, like the ni- really nice blonde yeah, hair. Yeah, so it pales. Mm-hmm. Right, see, so we're making connections here. Maybe he was. He looks like his last. Maybe he name. was an extra. Oh, mayonnaise, nice. Um, but he only went to St. Helens as a freshman, like I said. But he graduated from Scapoos High School in Scapoos, Oregon. And I love the meaning of the word Scapoos because it's an, it's of Native American origin, and it means gravely plain, much like David Mayo as a football player. <laughs> his last. <laughs> That's funny. And his last name is Mayo too. That's 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 pretty funny. I, I, that's you know we're on, we're we're early in, but that was a that was a good fun fact yeah. about David Mayo. All right, Justin. Like I said, he played fifty seven percent of the snaps, started thirteen games. Uh, he had eighty two tackles, five tackles for a loss, and two sacks. Justin, I kind of can. I've been kind of harsh on David Mayo. I rewatched some games of film and remembered that you know what, Bobby. It's probably PFF saying he's like a top run defender that makes me hate him so much. Said it to you. I don't hate him though. It's just I hate that people say he's a great run defender. Said it to you during the positional review. If if PFF lit- and, and th- this is a little much. This is a little much. Like I I'm usually like a you know maybe play devil's advocate or let's see the other side of what somebody's saying, especially if they if they if they back things off of data. And if you're looking at me in video, I put I'm putting I'm doing air quotes right now. But they did call David Mayo like the second best run defender in the NFL in 2019. They gave him like a 90 pro football focus grade for his run defense. So, Bobby, I'm serious. Like, and this is going to be my whole thing about David Mayo. Like, I I don't hate David Mayo and I don't understand your, like, you were raging David Mayo, like anti-David Mayo slander last year. And if it wasn't... Well, he wasn't very good. If it wasn't for that, though, you would realize that David Mayo, for his role on the team, is just fine. And it kind of like more than he, fine. He is. He is. For a guy who was four string and we, I mean, he really played zero time and, in Carolina. And, and he was also, a special teams player. No training camp. 
You got no training camp, no preseason with us. Yeah, yeah, with the training camp eh, with the Panthers. With but I, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. It was the people saying he's a great run defender, and he's just kind of an adequate run defender. Like he's not a great open field tackler, um, but he does wrap up. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But he, he does. He's not going to drive anybody back. Like I was watching a play today against the Cowboys, and he has like contain, and he plays it very wide. Where if he would have just cut it in a little more, he could have phased Zeke head up and made it maybe a two yard run, and it ended up being a five yard run because he kind of got he got him from the side. Um, so stuff like that. But he also, it was his first year starting, so his instincts, I can't expect him to be amazing. Um, when he was allowed to play aggressive, he actually was pretty yeah. well. Like, he was a decent blitzer. He had a couple sacks and some, you know, pressures and stuff like that. And when he was paired with Ryan Connolly against the Redskins and a little bit with the Vikings, I thought that's when he looked his best. Is because he was following that aggressive lead of Connolly. Um, his best game was the Patriots game. Mm-hmm. But that was more so the Patriots, for some reason, decided to just right, yeah. run right into the heart of our defense, which didn't make much sense. And they weren't passing the ball. And when they were, it was out of tight formations. So they kind of played into our strengths for that game. But that was his best game. He had a sack in that game. He played really well in that game. So when the, when the offense is coming after him, and he could play behind those big hog mollies up front. When he's going downhill, Bobby, like it's a, it's a sight to see. If, like if you watch that Patriots game and if you watch that Washington game, uh, hey, I don't blame PFF. If that's the only two game, if that's the only two game tapes that you're going to show me of David Mayo, uh, yeah, sign me up for David Mayo being one of the best run defenders. But that's just not true because there's more than just right. there's more than those two games. He struggles in coverage. I will say, watching him next to Ogletree made him look a little bit better in coverage. <laughs> he, he like there was times where he did turn his zone into man, and that's something you'll probably hear us hit on all year talking about linebackers. And that's when you're in zone. To you know, you hit your zone, but then find somebody got somebody and cover them. Don't just sit and let people find holes um, in the zone. And so there was a few times when he did that, but they also took him off the field on third downs. You know, and they'd bring that third safety in. Um, and I think that will be even if he is the starting the number two inside linebacker. I think that will continue to go forward, especially with what we like. Like you know, we hear versatility, versatility, versatility. Um, but when he is on the field on third down, I would expect him. Patrick Graham likes to put two linebackers in the A-gap and blitz. That's where I would see his role probably if he is on the field on third down. Um, you know, he like the Patriots game, he had a nice fourth down stop. So he he made some plays. Justin, where he ran into trouble is on these outside zone stretch plays or, or like zone plays. He had a hard time. Like he just got sealed. If an off a guard was going to block him, if they wanted to get outside um, shoulder on him, they got it. If they wanted to get inside shoulder, that's where they got it. And that's where teams like the Cardinals – um, the Vikings, uh, that's where, and the Cowboys, that's where they made their money on us because you could just seal those guys and get to the edge. And it, I mean, it was, it was frustrating when we saw Chase Edmonds run all over us like that. Yeah. Uh, but when he's not touched, I guess this is, this is the other side of it, Bobby, when he's not touched and all he has to do is run downhill and find the ball carrier. You talked about his form tackling and I, that's my favorite part about David Mayo's game, you know, and this is a personal bias. If you're a good form tackler, you could do a lot of other bad things, but I just, that's one of the things as like a football fan, I just get so excited when I see good form tackling because that's not something that you see much anymore. And I sound like an old man. Yeah, but he doesn't square up with guys. Yeah. Like it's a lot of, it's debatable. you know, arm tackling. So I think speed is his biggest issue. Now let's talk expectations and we'll, we'll, we'll be quick with it. My expectation or my hope for David Mayo which would be the third inside linebacker. I'm a big believer in Ryan Conley. Obviously, Blake Martinez is going to start. And then David Mayo could be that third guy. And you could even rotate him in with Conley. Like, we don't 
you know, I love Conley. I don't know what he, how he's going to look back coming from the ACL. Um, I think what his contract looks like and what he was brought in, I think that's what his role should be. Even though he started 13 games to be the backup inside linebacker. And Justin, inside linebacker is a position where if you are a backup, you will play important minutes. So he's going to play important minutes for this Giants team if he stays injury-free. Yeah, uh, along with this 60% of defensive snaps in 2019, he also played 70% of the special team snaps as well. Um, and every single year, no matter where he's been on the depth chart since he's been a pro, uh, I believe he's logged more than 70% of the special team snaps. So he's going to be there. That's like a definite number one. Um, and in terms of his actual performance on the defense, you know, no matter no matter if he comes in because of an injury or if he's just coming in every once in a while because of it's it's situationally because it's first down, second down, um, just don't be a don't be a liability. That's my that's kind of like my my expectation for David Mayo. I don't think he's going to be a liability in any way because I don't think he was last year. He wasn't a liability, and especially also considering the expectations that we had from him. We literally signed him off the street, you know, uh, just to in the middle of the early part of the 2019 season. So with our expectations, like he he fit that kind of perfectly because I wasn't expecting anything. If and if anything, he was a pleasant surprise. So. Don't be a yeah, liability. Just don't tell me he's a great run defender. Just don't tell me that, and I'm happy with he's David. He's a good Mayo. run defender. He's, a, he's an, he's an adequate. adequate run defender. I don't even want to say good. <laughs> he's adequate. All right. That's an episode PPP. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, let's go Big Blue.